Hi, and welcome to Bad Decisions. The podcast that helps us understand why we choose what we choose. Why we think what we think. And how to exploit this stuff for fun and commercial gain. I'm Dr. Mel Weinberg. I'm a performance psychologist. And I'm Dan Monheit, co-founder of Hard Hat, a creative agency built for today. So... Ordinarily, it'd be time for one of us to present some sort of personal story about a bad decision that we've made, and it would just coincidentally represent a heuristic. Yeah, we usually put a lot of work into that part of the episode. We do, but the heuristic that we're going to talk about today basically tells us that that's a waste of time. Yeah, we're going to stop doing that. It's complete bullshit. We're going to hack ourselves, it's fun. Yeah, because what you're going to learn today, if you don't have the 17 or 18 minutes to listen to the whole show, and I must admit, the best bits are at the end. What you're going to learn is that having the best bits at the end is really important. In fact, it's pretty much all that matters. Yeah, like well, this could be complete horseshit for the next 15 minutes. As long as you guys stick with us and get to the goal at the end, you are going to remember this show as being unbelievable. Alternatively, if you only want a three to four minute podcast, just fast forward right through to the good stuff. Exactly. Or d- don't though. Also don't. I'm confused. Anyway, what are we doing today? <laughs> what is what is today's heuristic, Dr. Mel? So today we're going to talk about the peak end rule. Peak end rule. Yeah, which is basically the idea that when it comes to us judging or evaluating an experience, we don't base that judgment on a calculated average of the enjoyment of every moment of the experience, mm-hmm. which I guess, you know, in a, in a rational mathematical brain, that's what we would do. We would take the emotional experience of every single moment and, um, and average it out. But that's not what we do because there are some parts of the experience that have a disproportionate impact on our memory. Mm-hmm. For example, the peak of the experience, so uh-huh. the most emotionally intense experience, and the end of it. So the really good bits, the really bad bits, and what happens in the end. Pretty much everybody forgets what happens in the middle anyway. Well, the middle's bullshit. So part of the reason that this peak end rule is such a powerful heuristic has to do with the way that our brain processes information, how we store memories, right? Mm -hmm. So most people are familiar with the idea of the recency effect. Yep, heard of that. So the recency effect basically explains that if I were to give you a random list of words to recall, so a bunch of words that mean absolutely nothing to you, you would be more likely to recall the words that I said at the end of the list, followed by the words at the beginning. And, you know, if you've got a really good memory, you might remember some of the ones in the middle, but pretty much the ones at the end are going to stand out. Right, because the middle's bullshit. I think that's what we're learning today. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about the middle, right? And you can all, and and a happy ending makes everything better. Whoa. Now what happens? That's awkward. So (laughs) speaking of happy endings, or not speaking of happy endings at all, I guess one of the places that this seems to come to the fore is when we think about holidays where it doesn't really seem to matter whether we'd been away for a week or for two weeks if somebody asks us for a quick little snapshot of how our holiday was at the end of the holiday uh we're probably going to remember it based on something really good that happened or something really bad that happened and how everything kind of wrapped up and that story probably wouldn't change if we were away for four days or three weeks so, you know, I've got some research to support the no, whole idea you of a don't. peak end rule. Would I you believe that I do? I thought you were just making this shit up. No, nah, I've actually got some research. Okay. So let me tell you about a little bit of research. Can we just get some research music, please? Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey! Think <laughs> So, in a 1993 study from Kahneman and uh, and some of his colleagues, what they did was they exposed participants, the same participants, to two different conditions, and both of them involved an unpleasant experience where they had to submerge a hand mm-hmm. in cold water. Yep. So, it was like 14 degrees Celsius, which is, I think, what it was, and they had to submerge it, the hand in that water 
bucket, a bucket of ice water or whatever it is for 60 seconds. Yeah. Okay, clearly not a fun thing to not do. Not fun at all. But science is hard. Uh, look, you know, sometimes you get a you get a sacrifice for the sake of science. But in the first trial, the participants kept their hand in the water for 60 seconds and at the end, the experiment, the trial was over. Okay. In the second trial, the same participants kept their hand in the water for an additional 30 seconds after that 60 second period. But in that additional 30 seconds, the temperature rose by one degree Celsius, providing some much needed relief. Yeah from that unpleasant experience. Wait, so the difference between 15 and 14 is, is enough for it to it, feel good? It was enough to change the participants' overall memory of the experiment. And so then what happened was when they asked participants, when they basically said to participants afterwards, all right, you're going to do this again. Which <laughs> trial would you like to do again? Would you like to do the 60-second one or would you like to do the 90-second one? A stupid amount of people said that they would like to repeat the 90-second version of the experiment. So they're going to totally discount the length and the time that the experiment took and they're going to be more likely to want to do that 90-second study because they get that last 30 seconds where they get that little bit of relief, which influences the overall mem memory of the enjoyment of the experience. So like a little bit of a happier ending can overcome a far worse experience. One degree Celsius is enough. Is all it takes. Yeah. And so going back to what you were talking about with holidays, it doesn't matter how long the holiday is in that sense because we do we have what's called duration neglect. We literally will neglect the duration of an experience in favour of how emotionally intense that ending was. Right. So I guess once you know that people care way more about the highs and the lows and how something ends... It just makes you realise how many industries get this kind of right and how many industries get this diabolically wrong. Give so, an example. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking about holidays, right? So you think about all the sorts of things that happen on a holiday. You know, one of the obvious ones is around car rentals. Mm. And, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of great car rental stories out there in the world, I wouldn't <laughs> think. But of all of the experience that happens with the, you know, like an interaction with a car rental company, most of it comes down to what happens in that last 15 minutes. Right, And so you've hired a car, you've probably forgotten what you've paid for it, you've just had it for some, a few days or a week or two, you've driven around, you've had a lovely holiday. Yeah, and what do you have to do before you return it? And then you've got like 15 minutes because you're probably running late to the airport. You're then driving around trying to work out, should I drive around the industrial business park that surrounds this airport and try and find somewhere to fill up the petrol tank? Or do I roll the dice and return it seven-eighths full and get stung four bucks a litre or whatever they're going to charge me to fill it up? Once I drop it off, are they going to find some chip or scratch or scrape that I absolutely didn't do, but like, who knows? And, you know, even a neutral experience where none of those things happen, you're basically just dumping the car in an empty lot and then running off to make your flight. Because you're always late. Because you're always late. So... You know, at best, car rental experiences end neutral. They usually end pretty badly. Well, I mean, from the stuff you're describing, the end of the experience with a car rental company is associated with a whole lot of panic, um, worry. Yeah, anxiety. Anxiety around whether or not you've, you know, you're going to be busted for something that you didn't do. Yeah. It sounds pretty awful. It's, ter about it's terrible. And, I mean, the, the thing is you... Like we get used to having to pay for an experience at the end, which kind of sucks, as we learn about this peak end theory. Paying at the end sucks. But add on to that the anxiety of not knowing exactly how much you're going to have to pay. It's just enough to ruin the whole thing. Yeah. Car rental companies, get your shit together. Get your shit together. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if we think about hotels, 
who invests so heavily in like the check-in and the welcome process and you get there and you get some drinks on arrival and they guide you around and they you know show you around the place even if you don't really want them to they really insist on doing that and you contrast that with what happens at the end where you basically get a slot to put your key into and then you're just off on your way uh, and how much more important the ending of that experience is and how you recall the whole the whole time you spend at the hotel. So we're starting to get the picture that there are sometimes even just little things that we can do or things that we cannot do that's actually going to make the ending of an experience, which is the most memorable part of it, uh, we can actually improve that qu- the quality of that experience for the customer. Absolutely. So, you know, for hotels, maybe it's champagne on departure, not champagne on arrival. Or maybe it's both. But, you know, we couldn't do an episode without talking about restaurants. And like it's a thing we all know and love and indulge in. And, you know, I just think about how many otherwise great restaurant experiences are ruined by the last three minutes. Mm. You know, when the person comes out to give you the bill and they want to be difficult about the credit card payments, you know, they don't want to split it between four people or they have some arbitrary number. Like we can only split a bill between three and you're out there as four couples. And it's like, what the actual fuck guys? Like it doesn't cost you anything more. Or when you go to places like your normal cafe and they have minimum FPOS spends. I hate that. Hey, the what guys, come on. I'm here every day. Yeah. It doesn't cost you any more. No, and they also say like the minimum FPOS spend is ten dollars. Yeah. And like coffees don't add to ten dollars. No. Multiples no. of coffees don't no. add to ten dollars, so you end up having to get three coffees just so you can make that maximum. Yeah, I'm not buying a, a coffee and two muffins just so you don't have to <laughs> s- give me the privilege of swiping my card through this machine that is just sitting there idly by while I try and give you money. Yeah. So just process the payment. Yeah, Do you process, want my money or not? Process the payment. And instead we've gone from a good or, you know, at least a neutral experience to something that's kind of annoying and like begrudging, which just seems like a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. So it's also interesting when you look at restaurant review sites like Yelp, like what huge proportion of the reviews actually talk a lot about things that happen in those last few minutes of an interaction. So it is a lot of people bitching and moaning about split bills and FPOS fees and that sort of stuff, but also some really wonderful stories about somebody leaving their keys or their wallet or something at the restaurant and a maitre d' or a waiter or waitress running out after them to make sure they didn't leave without it. And what an amazing sort of uplifting thing that can do for the whole experience. Something as simple as giving a mint at the end of a meal or putting a Putting a couple of little after dinner mints with you know with the with the bill. Yeah, or putting a smiley face on the Just bill. Just a nice little touch. Which yeah, often can uh, attract the tips. and changes the emotional yeah. tone of the end of the experience. Yeah. Now the guys who do this really well, there's a you know hoity-toity fancy restaurant in Melbourne called Vue de Mon, and I'm not sure if these guys still do it, but I assume they do. Like I got young kids now, I'm not eating at Vue de Mon these days. But if I did, I imagine this would still happen. So what happens is you go to this incredible restaurant, you have some sort of seven or fifteen course degustation meal. You get to the end of the meal, you're feeling pretty great about it. The bill comes out, you feel slightly less great about it because you've just spent like two weeks wages on a great dining experience. But then as you go to leave, they present you with this little breakfast bag, which has got a couple of eggs and I think maybe some brioche um, buns in there and some little instructions about how to make some wonderful scrambled eggs or something in the morning. And, you know, it's probably cost them four bucks on the scheme of a thousand dollar dinner. It's a couple of eggs. Yeah, a couple of (laughs) eggs, seriously. But the last thing you remember is not the bill. The last thing you remember is, and then they gave me this little bag with like a little card in it and the things that I need to continue the experience all the way into the next morning, which is wonderful. You should be familiar with this experience because like you said, you have young kids. Yeah. You're going to kids' parties. Yeah. You're getting lolly bags at the end. You know what? You're absolutely right. Rude Amanda giving you a lolly bag. (laughs) Giving me a lolly bag. (laughs) 
Uh, thankfully, they, they don't have those like bubble blowing things. Those bubble sticks in there <laughs> drive me crazy. But you're right. I mean, kids know this. Kids understand inherently the, the peak end rule is a real thing. Yeah, and they figured out, was that a good party? I don't remember. But hey, I got this awesome lolly bag. Yeah, and it's got a bouncy ball in it. <laughs> I love parties. Best party ever. <laughs> so... Getting back to the idea that we're actually willing to endure a whole lot of pain so long as we get some relief or some pleasant emotion at the end of it, let's talk about endurance events. Absolutely. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) This show? (laughs) This show right now? No, so I mean, what what we know is that people seem to fall into one of two camps when they're doing, you know, either marathons or Ironman. People will just do one and they're like a bucket list athlete and they just need to get it done. But there are people that just go over and over and over again. And when these people think about the experience of completing a marathon or completing an Ironman, we very, very quickly forget the pain and the suffering and the grit and the grueling and sucking down your like 35th goo gel, you know, as you're trying to get through the last 10Ks on the run. And what we remember is the elation, the endorphins of crossing the finish line or hearing your name, you know, Dan Monheit, you are an Iron Man, which I've never heard, but I will hear one day. <laughs> um, and it's no coincidence that a lot of these events will ask you to sign up for the next event. Immediately after. <laughs> literally as you're crossing the finish line. Here's your ribbon and here's a form to sign up for next time. I wouldn't know. I've never run further than about 10K. But anyway, yeah. if we're talking endurance events, it would be completely remiss of us to not mention the ultimate endurance event, childbirth. Right. And if the peak end rule didn't exist, nobody would ever have more than one child. Yeah, I've got to say, I've never done it, seen it, didn't look that much fun. Uh, and you know what? Right at the other end of our life as well, uh, the peak end rule seems to kick in. When, when you know, think about how people describe elderly relatives or people who have passed... We tend to talk about how they were at the end, how dignified they were and how inspiring they were and how together they held it all the way to the end. Mm. You know, we just kind of gloss over the bullshit bit in the middle that's (laughs) 75, 80 years where they actually did cool stuff. It's how they were in that hospital bed in the last couple of days. That's what really defines a person. Yeah. So because of the peak end rule, there are things that people have figured out to do that makes the end stand out more. Yeah, it's kind of like this self-fulfilling thing, hey? So like, we know that the ends are going to stand out more, so we try and do things that make the ends better. So uh, one of the ways that we do this, we were talking about marathons before. I mean, what's crazy is that you are something like two or three times more likely to run a marathon. <laughs> I love the way that you talk about research. What? Go on. Nothing, what? I'm sure that's completely legitimate. Two Go or on. three times Go on, just do not more... play the research music gear so yeah. we know it's not real. Well, it's real. It's okay. just I haven't Googled it, but it's okay. basically true. Look, I saw somebody else present the research, okay? Case in point. Daniel Pink, he was very smart. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you, Mr. Pink. Uh, so he talked about how you are two or three times more likely to run a marathon at the age of 29 compared to at the age of 28 or 30. And it's a very similar thing at the age of 39 versus 38 or 40. So the idea is that you're coming towards the end of a decade, a period of your life. Yep. And physiologically, you're really not in a significantly better or worse shape, 28, 29, 30, 38, 39, 40. But mentally, we're coming to the end of a thing and I want a good ending and I'm going to remember my 30s as the year that I did my first marathon. And so that's what we seem to do. Right. So we put a highlight at the end of that period. Exactly. So we can, there's another example with regard to chocolates, yeah? So yes, actually in the same presentation, there was a conversation around Hershey's Kisses, which I'm just going to say, like they kind of suck as a chocolate, let's be honest. I mean, I have no affinity towards it, no. They're like quite small and not that delicious. I think, isn't that the point that they're like bite size? I don't know. Anyway, whatever. They did this experiment where they gave two groups of people five Hershey's Kisses. Mm -hmm. So to the first group, they said, here's a chocolate. 
here's a chocolate, here's a chocolate, here's a chocolate, here's a chocolate. And after eating each chocolate, people rated the overall pleasure of eating that chocolate. The second group, they said, here's one, and here's another one, and here's another one, and here's another one. And now this is the last one I'm going to give you. Ooh. Here you go. Well, that last special chocolate. Oh, and what do you know? Just knowing that it was the last one, people rated that shit through the roof. <laughs> it was like twice as enjoyable for these people as every other chocolate that they'd consumed. Just because I knew it was going to be the last one. I guess they knew that the last one is going to stand out. So I'm going to hack myself into making this delicious. So there's a big message here for brands, right? Absolutely. In terms of focusing on the end of the experience. And, exactly. and I mean, as we come towards the end of this episode, yep. I think it's really important that we oh remember God, that we no need pressure. to make this good. Oh God. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's give some real punchy takeaways here. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I think for brands, we, we often think a lot about the start of an experience. We think about how we're going to attract clients. We think about how we're going to onboard clients and get them into our system and get them moving as quickly as possible. But we don't think very much about how things are going to end. And it's important that we do. It's super important that we do think about when the relationship with the customer ends because actually what we want is for that relationship to continue. And sometimes there is no end point. Exactly. So, you know, in some business customer transactions, there is a definitive end point. So you drive out of the dealership with the car or you walk out of the store with your bag with your new jeans in it or whatever it is. And so we need to think about how do you make that as interesting and as memorable and as emotionally charged as possible. But similarly, in like things like professional services, often there is no natural end point. And I, I think it would be really worth exploring ways to add sort of like artificial endpoints, whether it's a post-campaign celebration or you divide a year up into quarters, like we used to do at school. Like school, we knew it's-, it's Kids had this figured out, lolly bags and school terms. It's true, like you know, you're sprinting to the end of a term and you get to the end and it's awesome and it's fun. You have a little class end of party. End party. Yeah, and you're on to the next and one. And then you get lolly bags. Lolly bags. I think the answer to everything is lolly bags. Lolly bags. Yeah. So, I mean, we've spoken quite a bit about end. I mean, I think peak is kind of maybe just worth touching on quickly, where we do have industries where a long-term relationship with the client is defined by some peak, peak experiences. experiences. And so if we think about, say, an insurance company, right, that you might have a relationship with an insurance company for five years. And when somebody asks you, oh, how is insurance company XYZ to deal with? You're going to search around in your head and you're not going to give an average answer or an answer that is the average of the total five-year experience. You're going to think about that one moment when you needed to call them because you had a car crash or you needed a hip replacement or whatever it was given the type of insurance. And so while it's important to have, again, great onboarding experiences for consumers and maybe good exit experiences for consumers, knowing that that peak moment, that moment of crisis that is going to turn into a moment of joy or a moment of despair is really the only thing to worry about. Everything else is kind of bullshit. Uh, we really have to think about how we can make that a five-star, seven-star best-in-class experience knowing that that's what's going to pay the dividends. It's so important. I think there's so many things that can be taken away from this idea because it is one of those things that I think we've seen, the research shows it's a thing, and I just don't think people pay enough attention to it. Yep. So uh, I think we've paid a lot of attention to the end of this episode. Yeah. It feels like it was good. There was value. I think this was a fantastic end to the episode. Yeah. I mean, the stuff in the middle was kind of rubbish, but this... This is this is it right is here. It. You know what would be even better? If we had lolly bags. Yes, and oh. also if you told people what your social media handles were and then how they could get in touch with us. People love that shit. Oh, my God, I know they do. All yeah. right, um, please, please find us on social media, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, any other things. What do you usually say? Google? Yeah, whatever. Do you know what? Google Scholar. You can find some research articles on there. Oh, there you, you go. Some. 
Really? Some of all the ones that I've published, yeah. No, nothing from me. <laughs> anyway, you can find me at Dr. Mel W. Yeah, and I'm at Dan Monheit across a bunch of the internet. We're not going to talk about the doctor thing, right? No. Good. Uh, cool. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening to Bad Decisions. Hey, probably worth noting, we're on Spotify now as well. Yeah, good call. Yeah, so that's like platform agnostic. So that's good. Tell your friends. I think that's it. All right. We out. Let's go to Budamund. Let's.